This is Sabrina Ali, and you're tuned into another episode of Moms Who Art. Peace, everyone, and thank you for joining me for another episode of Moms Who Art. I have a very special guest today, one of the kindest, most genuine, sincere, talented, brilliant individuals that I've ever had the pleasure of knowing. So please welcome Brenda Escher Carpina. Hi, Brenda. Hi, Sabrine. How are you doing? Oh, I'm well, thank you. And thank you for inviting me to be uh, uh, on your podcast. Of course. And thank you for showing up and holding space and bringing your energy onto the show. I really appreciate that. So I'm going to get right into the interview because there are so many things that I could say about you, but I really want to give you the opportunity to introduce yourself to the listener. So my first question is, who are you? Okay, and that's a question that um, I often ask myself. I'm still asking myself, and, and in a way I still... I still don't know. Um, you know, I, I think I've been different people at different times. When I, um, back in 1978, when I received my uh, Doctor of Philosophy diploma from Stanford, I would have said I am a PhD from Stanford. <laughs> um, and, and it would have been like the rest of my life was just kind of compact and there, but not really visible. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, I, I don't know who I am. I mean, I know that I've done a lot of things in my life mm-hmm. and, and in some ways they sort of define me. Um, so I feel like I've been sort of this, this secretor of, of things, but mm-hmm. it's, it's an, um, it's like a carapace and it's like a, it's like a protection. It's like a skeleton, um, an exterior skeleton sort of. So um, I, I feel like I'm a lot of things. I just don't know how to put a label on it. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm African-American. I'm 75 years old. I'm a lesbian. And in the last year, I've become a grandmother for the first time. Um, so as I said, I've done a lot of things. Um, and... Yeah, they kind of all contribute to who I am, and one of those things is like being a a um, a world class race walking medalist. <laughs> okay, so that's who I am. What does art mean to you? You know, I, I think it's you know for me it's it's a need to express. It's a deep urge. It's 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 expression. And it's communication, um, and I suppose first and foremost, it's uh, it's creation. You know, it's not what nature made, but it's what you know we made of what nature has given us. If that makes any sense. Um, and when I was, I think I think the need to be an artist is really really deep inside of me. I mean, when I was when I was a kid, um, and this was when I was younger than 10 years of age, I was probably, mm-hmm. you know, starting like from the time I was four or five or six, 
and I would dream that my father for a Christmas present or for a birthday present of which I never got any, I would dream that he brought me home a block of marble so I could sculpt it. Now, I don't know, I don't know where that came from, but because I was so young and I didn't really know anything about sculpting, but I yeah. wanted to be a sculptor. Mm. Um, so I, you know, I've always tried to, to, to draw and to make things. I, uh, when I was, um, I, I can remember taking a, a, a matchbox, mm -hmm. matches inside, a rubber band, some uh, cut out cartoons, some cut out cartoons, mm -hmm. uh, comic strips, and I would try to make my own cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> that was what we had to do in those days. Mm -hmm. you know, so, um, but I, I, yeah, it's art is an extension of myself, and mm -hmm. uh, and it's a way it's it's a form of expression for me, and it's you know, it's a way of creating. Wow, that's so interesting. What came up for me while listening to you talk about the dream about the marble, about your father buying you the marble and you wanting to sculpt it. It sounded like a deep desire to be the one to carve out your own path or your own destiny. And so that leads me to ask, how important has it been for you to be the one to kind of shape or sculpt your own path? Well, I think it's extremely important. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure that, you know, I'm not sure that any of us actually do that. And maybe mm -hmm. I should just speak for myself, but... Yeah. Um, you know, again, I wanted to be an artist of some sort. I had, when I was young, I had a dancer's body. Mm -hmm. um, I have a great voice. I can sing. I studied classical voice. Uh, wow. I can play classical piano. Um, it, and that's what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I didn't really want to go to school and get a PhD. Mm. But that was my father's dream for me. Wow. And when I was there... At some point, I asked myself, what am I doing here? I, mm -hmm. I just felt like I, I shouldn't have been there. And, and that's when I start, that's when I learned, that's when I discovered therapy. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, my girlfriend at the time said, don't be crying on my shoulder. You know, I see a therapist, you need to go see a therapist. And so that's how I got into, you know, um, therapy. Mm. But, I, but, I, but I think it took away. I, I don't think that's the path I would have chosen had I been given the the chance to do the, what I really wanted to do, wow. if, if that answers your question. Yeah, it does. And um, I just wanted to touch on therapy really quickly. Um, how did finding a therapist or going to therapy just change your life or what effect did it have on you? Um, well, actually, when I, when I started the therapy, I didn't really realize, it didn't occur to me that I was there because I had been seriously programmed to be there. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and that's, that's what it revealed to me. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that was, it was very helpful in knowing that because then I understood why I was there. But, you know, my, my father put out a very, very strong message mm -hmm. and, he used to say to me when I was very tiny, when I was very, as, as far back as I can remember, that I was going to be his little 
PhD. Mm. And, you know, it's like the power of suggestion. Mm-hmm. So, so part of me feels like um, the various parts of my life have not really completely come together just because the, they got kind of scattered mm. or pushed aside along the way of achieving, you know, this dream of my father's. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yes, therapy did help. And I've gone into therapy and out of therapy whenever I feel a crisis and I mm. need to do something like that. And I was in crisis at the time. Mm. And and anybody, anybody will tell you a PhD will put you in crisis. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, a lot of people don't finish. Yeah. Um, so, because it, it's a very, very difficult thing to do. Yeah. Um, so that, yeah. So going back to when I was 31 years old, that's what I was proud of. But I felt like I didn't have, there was no other substance to me. If the, you know, mm. that's kind of bad, but that's sort of, that's sort of what my experience was. Mm. So I know you're a very artistic person. We've talked about you being a classically trained pianist, a singer, um, a writer, you're a writer. That's how we connected through our own healing journeys. That's how our paths kind of crossed. Um, But do you have a preferred medium of expression? Um, Performance. Mm -hmm. But... um... You know, I, I, yeah, I like performing. Mm-hmm. Um, the the acting thing kind of runs in my family, mm. and um, I like stage. I discovered when I was in high school because I had to make a choice. We all had to make a choice. This was at Berkeley High. We all had to make a choice between. I think when we were juniors, mm-hmm. certainly by the time we were seniors, we had to make a choice between taking a class in public speaking mm-hmm. or drama. And I was scared livid of public speaking. I couldn't even speak up in a classroom. It was wow. really very difficult for me. So, mm-hmm. um, so I chose the drama and yes. discovered that I was good at acting. Yeah. <laughs> so, but also dancing and just moving on the stage. And that's that's. I still think that that's something that I was destined to do, but I never really got a chance to make that happen. Mm-hmm. The writing. The writing is what I do. It's the thing that doesn't really require, as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't really require a whole lot of maintenance and upkeep. Right. Um, and it's readily there. Mm-hmm. And, and I do enjoy it. Um, but I think, I think performance, and like I said, I could have been, a, I really believe I could have been an opera singer. And wow. I really believe I could have been a classical pianist. Wow. So... But it didn't happen because I didn't have the support from my father. None of us did. Mm. So, you know, I still I still dream about those things sometimes, and I still have a lot of regret mm. that it that my life didn't go in that direction. Wow! Wow! Thank you for being so honest about that. I feel like um, regrets are hard to express. And um, I just want to ask, what was it about acting? Um, Was it like becoming someone else or was it what drew you to it? What made it feel good? Um, 
Well, I think, as I said, the whole dramatic aspect of it, because mm-hmm. even opera, opera is drama that is sung. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, uh, again, the movement mm-hmm. and being embodying somebody who's not me. <laughs> it was a way of not being myself mm. and being comfortable in that and so mm. even though I would you know I've had my share uh, you know um, of you know someone who's not who didn't turn out to be a professional I've had my share of being on on a stage and performing mm. and uh, you know and, and it's not like I'm not scared every time mm. I get up there it's not like I'm not scared. I'm going to forget my lines, you know, and mm-hmm. then, like that's not torture because it is. <laughs> um, but I, you know, one of the things you're told when you're, when you're, um, you know, learning to, to act is mm-hmm. that when you look out into the audience, you don't look at other people because you don't look at people. You don't look them in the eye because that might throw you off. Look at mm-hmm. the back, look towards the back of the, the room or out, stare out into the darkness or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I always made contact with somebody in the audience because that's who I spoke to. Mm. And it worked for me. It didn't work for everybody, but it worked for me. And when I sang, I would make eye contact with people. That's what, that's what helped me. That's, mm. you know, singing out to nothing, you know, <laughs> yeah. didn't really make sense for me. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm communicating Mm. with others when I do that yeah wow it sounds like it feels like connection but also um freedom like I hear freedom when you say like becoming someone else that wasn't you maybe it or to me it sounds like it gave you the freedom to express yourself and flow like you said movement that's um a beautiful thing yeah that's that's um that 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 sums it up. Mm. Uh, I'm supposed to be a character, but that character, I'm I'm interpreting that character, and so that's a part of me. Mm. So moving on to writing, what you said was just the thing that doesn't require much upkeep; like it's just <laughs> natural. Um, when did you fall in love with writing and storytelling? So. I have been reading ever since I can recall. <laughs> and um, and I love reading and I love stories and I would just eat them up. I was I always had a book in my hand and it was fiction. When I was a kid, it was all fiction. Um, and but my first um, my first experience with writing actually came when uh, my father left uh, San Antonio, Texas, to come out here to the East Bay. He, he came to, to, to Berkeley. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was out for like a year or so before he sent for his family, a year, year and a half before he sent for his family. And I started uh, a correspondence with him. And so I would write to my father. I was the only one interested in writing to him. <laughs> <laughs> And the only one who did, and once in a while I got a letter back. But, but for me, that's kind of like my first forays into actually, actually writing. And so it was correspondence. And then, you know, when I was in school, you know, you're writing term papers and stuff like that. And that was fine. And that was good. And I did that just 
you know, I did that just fine. Um, but I wanted to write like the stuff that I was reading. Mm. And so, you know, and I thought, another thing is I thought, oh, I don't know, way back when I first, you know, when, when that desire to really make something of my writing, I also dreamt of becoming, you know, um, uh, getting one of the the uh, Pulitzer Prizes or Nobel Prize or something in literature. Yeah. <laughs> and that became a huge dream of mine. It hasn't happened. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that it was it was early on. Mm-hmm. It was it was early on and, and and I got feedback from others that I wrote well and mm-hmm. that was important. And when I studied I, I was I studied literature, you know, and mm-hmm. it happened to be French literature, but um, you know, I, I I think that if um if the um, black studies programs that came along after me had been in effect, it might not have been French literature, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but that's what it was. And, um, yeah. it, and, and it was all about novels and poetry and things like mm-hmm. that. And I just found it beautiful. I just, yeah. I just found it beautiful. Who were some of your favorite authors to read? Oh, French people. Um, <laughs> Hugo, Baudelaire, Rambo, those are poets, Verlaine. I mean, I really enjoyed the poets. I enjoyed the the, the, the novelists, you know, like Hugo and Flaubert and Balzac and Marivaux and all of those people. And unfortunately, I couldn't tell you at the time, you know, any, uh, any American authors, <laughs> say, you know, except for when I was in high school and I had to study American literature. Mm. And um, so I knew the standards, but but I regret the fact that I did not learn anything about African-American literature mm. at that time. And yeah. I didn't I didn't discover until I was until I had graduated from undergraduate school. Oh, wow. Yeah. And do you think that was just because of the times like it wasn't accessible or as accessible? Yeah, I, I think it was because of the times. And and mm-hmm. when I read something that was by a black author, mm-hmm. it was because a friend passed it on to me or told me about it. Um, it wasn't yeah. because I learned about it in school. Wow. So I didn't learn about Toni Morrison until I was like 20, 21. Wow. And then when I started reading her, I just got, 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 I just got grew up. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I want to shift topics a little bit, Uh, however, not entirely, because on this podcast, I really like to highlight how the creative process and the creation process, which is the birthing process, is one and the same. So with that being said, is there anything about your birth that stood out to you in that it taught you something about yourself? That I could withstand excruciating pain uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, with dignity it, it I mean I already embraced my womanhood before then I mean I've mm-hmm. always loved the fact that I'm female yeah never wanted anything else mm. um, it, you know it made me realize that 
the female is the stronger of the two sexes, in my opinion. <laughs> and, you know, maybe just, I mean, if, if we're talking about the actual, you know, giving birth. Mm-hmm. And um, it was, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's an experience. I mean, you, you have to have in order to appreciate it. It made me realize just how much females contribute to this world mm. and how it wouldn't be here if it weren't for us in a way. And so, um, you know, I was, I was the happiest person on earth when I found out that I was pregnant, but I was also extremely, extremely, extremely afraid of childbirth. Mm. Um, my mom had made me afraid of childbirth <laughs> because, mm. you know, uh, just because of the way it was described mm-hmm. and how much pain she was in. And, you know, and she, she gave birth to six kids and she had a couple yeah. of carriages, but, mm-hmm. but she gave birth to six children and, mm-hmm. and she would, she would say each one hurt worse than the one before. Oh wow! <laughs> and I just wasn't looking forward to that and it mm-hmm. didn't disappoint, but, <laughs> um, but I could, but also I didn't, I had, I didn't, I never screamed out in pain. Oh, I never screamed out hmm. because that it was undignified. That's the way I thought hmm. of it. It was undignified to scream out in pain. I never wow. did, but I wanted to. <laughs> yeah. I thought my body was being torn apart hmm. and, and yet I didn't. And my mom was there and she was rubbing my hand. <laughs> she was <laughs> go ahead you can scream it's okay yeah. and yeah. I could hear the other ladies up and down the hall you know screaming yeah and I couldn't do it wow so I mean that's that's my childbirth experience and I think yeah. you know in some way it just reinforced mm-hmm. for me my strength as yeah. a woman my yeah. fortitude my determination mm. and I told myself I think the only way I got through it was I knew it wasn't forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. no one could no one could deal with that pain on a on a regular basis. And I know that mm-hmm. it's I know that it's 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 individual. Yeah. Not every woman feels the same pain. Not every woman goes through the same thing. I know that. But for me, it was horrendous. <laughs> mm. One thing I really relate to um, about your birthing experience is you feeling the need to scream but not doing it because I had the same experience during labor I kept feeling like this scream inside of me that wanted to be let loose and I felt this primal urge to tap into that energy but also I felt a blockage there like this wouldn't be seen as dignified or ladylike and how Women and birthing people are expected to keep composure in such a raw and vulnerable state. And also I felt like I didn't want to make noise. I didn't want to take up too much space. I essentially wanted to keep myself small and not tap into the fullness that is birth. And so I find that very interesting. Um, And I can relate to that experience. That's very interesting too. It's very interesting to hear. And yeah. my mom gave birth to every one of us at home. I was born at home. Wow. So 
I can imagine that it might have been easier to scream at home in your own environment, but I was not about to do it in that hospital with those, mm. <laughs> with those strangers around. I wasn't going to do it. So, but that's very yeah. that that happened to you as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was also in a hospital, so it could be, it could be that, or that is a a factor. Mm. <laughs> so the next question is: What lessons did your daughter bring you? Patience. so I grew up with brothers and sisters Mm -hmm. um, and cousins some younger than me Mm -hmm. and so my youngest sister was just a baby I can recall when other cousins were just babies Mm -hmm. Um, and I had interactions with them but I mean what I learned you know from from uh, my daughter Crystal Mm -hmm. you know was it was a different kind of I was put into a different role. I was put into the role of caregiver. Mm. And I had never been before. And she taught me how to really protect. And, and, and as I said, first off, patience. I, that, that seems to be a quite, I mean, I don't know. I was thinking, well, that's not such a big deal because probably most people learn patience that way, but not true. I mean, mm-hmm. I just, I didn't have a lot of patience for, for most things. Mm-hmm. Um, I was always in a hurry and I mm-hmm. did things really quickly and I've always <laughs> done things quickly. I walk fast. People say, slow down. You're walking yeah. too fast. What's the hurry? <laughs> so, so, yeah, I learned patience. Mm. And I also, because of her, I had to open up, I had to open myself, I had to make myself available to other people, mm-hmm. which had never been the case before. And, and I was very afraid about that. I was really afraid where she would go to school. Mm-hmm. I was mortified mm-hmm. because I would have to talk to other people. I would have to. <laughs> Uh, you know, I would have to yeah. engage with them on some level. And it just didn't feel comfortable to me because that's not who I was. Mm. So so she brought me out of my shell. Wow. And she taught me patience. Wow. She taught me what unconditional love is. Mm. I don't I don't know that those are considered lessons, mm-hmm. but uh, but that's what comes to mind. So I want to ask, just because I have a really young daughter and I find myself thinking about the future a lot, and I know that you're the mother to a now adult child, so I'm curious as to how the relationship shifts as your child grows older, and how do the lessons in your capacity have to expand to kind of keep up with those needs of your child? As I said earlier, I feel like I missed out on a career as a concertizing pianist. That's what my father studied to be. That's what he was going to be, but he was black. And so Mm -hmm. those opportunities weren't there for him. Mm -hmm. Um, So... Crystal comes along and I start her on piano lessons at, at four. She was barely, and at some point, well, she was, I mean, she just like breezed through the Suzuki books and 
I remember overhearing her teacher whisper to her husband. They were both teachers. And she was talking about Crystal, and Crystal was performing. But I heard her. She said, she's a little prodigy. Wow. Well, <laughs> I thought, oh, yeah, okay, okay. She got it. She got it. And <laughs> and I started to push her, like yeah. a lot of stage moms. Mm-hmm. And she told me, and she couldn't have been more than seven. She was mm-hmm. six or seven. And she said to me, she says, Mom, you want me to do this for you, not for me. Or something what? like that. And I went, oh, Jesus, she's right. Oh, my mm-hmm. God, she's right. Mm-hmm. And, and it made me think, you know, just because we have certain abilities, that it doesn't mean that that's what we want to do or should do, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, that started her being walking, you know, like being neck to neck with me in terms of <laughs> <laughs> figuring things out. And then after that, I had to really make an effort to be one step ahead of her. And so that's, so that's, that was the, her growth. Mm-hmm. That's what I saw happening with her. And then I had to grow along with that. Mm. in order to keep up with her yeah. so to speak mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah um so they teach us mm. and we have to learn to keep up yeah and especially if you've got you know a brilliant child and and, and she was and she is and do I still learn things from her mm-hmm. I learned not to contradict her <laughs> <laughs> I learned really careful with what I say because it's going to be checked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, I, I don't know if that if I answered the question. No, you definitely did. <laughs> so you recently became a grandmother. Yeah. Yes, and congratulations. Thank you. Um, so what did becoming a grandmother teach you about yourself and how is it how does it differ from motherhood? Or is there a difference, you know? Well, um, you know, I was always told by others who became grandparents before I did. And you hear it from a lot of sources that being a grandparent is the best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because you can take all the good and you can leave the less good with the parents. Yeah. Let them do, deal and take care of that. Um, <laughs> you know, I didn't, I had, <clears throat> I had given up being, becoming a grandparent. And the interesting thing about it is now that it's happened, it just feels like it, it always was going to be, or always is. I mean, like Margot is not six months old yet. Soon will be. But it's like she's always been there. You can't you still you can't imagine what it was like before her, which is mm-hmm. which is very interesting. You know, as they say, you know, young people keep you young. Yes. I um I've been exercising some muscles a lot. I've, my muscles have been getting stronger again because of her. <laughs> <laughs> and um and I feel young again. Mm-hmm. I often think about 
yeah, you know, sometimes I just, I get a little sad thinking that, you know, I may not be here when she starts her career, mm. but I certainly want to and plan to be here when she graduates high school. Now we're talking 17 years from now. Yeah. Um, it, it, it makes me a little, um, maybe sad is the word. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I project into the future and I think about what her life might be when I'm not here. I mean, it's weird. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's different. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't think about that with Crystal, even though I didn't have Crystal until I was 35 years old. I wasn't a spring chicken. <laughs> um, but I also, I was young. Yeah. And I didn't, you know, I knew that I would be around today. Mm. I certainly took that for granted. Mm-hmm. And I figured I would be around for a long time with longevity mm. in my mind. Um, so the question was, how has being a grandparent, it was kind of twofold there. He said, how has, been, how has being a grandparent changed? Mm-hmm. Or what have you learned about yourself? What have I learned about myself? Res- mm-hmm. th- that, I'm, that I'm very resilient and that I can... I can rise to any occasion mm. and that I am delighted and I can, mm. I have enough love in my heart that, mm. um, that I can, I, I can give her unconditional love as well. Mm. Um, you know, love spending time with her I'm very protective I go through I, I'm going through the same things that I went through when when Crystal was a baby this yeah. this fear mm. of something happening beyond your control mm. and when I go there I have to say to myself don't make yourself miserable by thinking about, think about something that hasn't happened and probably never will mm. just don't even go there yeah and so, but I have to tell myself that. And, you know, and then I say, well, but what if? No. Mm-hmm. No worry. I mean, I, I worry when she leaves. I, it's not a huge worry, but, mm-hmm. you know, she puts the baby in the car seat, she gets in the car and they go somewhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And that just, that feeling of being protected just n- never goes away. Mm. Yeah, because they're both your babies. <laughs> yes, they're both. Mm. Yeah, and it is wonderful being able to see her every day and 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 uh, and spend time with her, and then and then in the evening she goes upstairs and <laughs> 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 they put her to bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful experience. That's beautiful. Um, so you were, uh, kind of touching on, um, just having to think about different things as a grandparent, um, just being at the age that you are. And I kind of want to stay with age, um, and ask, like having, like you have such a full life, just even talking to you now, I didn't even know that you could play piano. I didn't know that you could sing opera. 
it's just such a full and colorful life like when I listen to you and you've done so much um what has it been like transition transitioning into um a new decade or just being in your 70s now what has that transition been like Well, um, I just, I think a lot, (laughs) I think a lot about not being here. Mm. I I think a lot about, um, when I, when I'm not here, Mm. um, you know, so when I when I turned forty, I contemplated my mortality. Mm. I mean, it was like really scary to me. Wow. <laughs> and um, I can remember lying awake at night and thinking, "How did I get to be forty? Mm. And and if if I if I don't remember all those forty years. <laughs> You do if you just stop and think about it, but it's like they pass so quickly. Um, They do and they don't, but they do. I mean, once you're there, it's like, what happened? Mm -hmm. And I once heard Joy Behar on The View. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fortunate, I mean, she's (laughs) she's 79. It's going to be harder and harder to find people who are older than me. And when I find somebody who's older than me, I am happy. But, (laughs) um, But I remember her, I mean, she said just very recently, you know, um, life is short. Mm-hmm. She says, and I know that because I'm 79 years old. Mm-hmm. So that's how I feel like I don't know how I got here. Mm-hmm. And there have been so many things that I have forgotten. Mm-hmm. And sometimes some of those things just crop up out of the blue. Mm-hmm. And I'll go, oh my God, that's right. I did do that. Th- mm-hmm. Those years are, fi- are, are filled with things. There's no question about it. They are filled with mm-hmm. experiences. Some wonderful and some awful, but they're filled with experiences. I've lived a lot. Mm-hmm. At 75, I think, I'm in good health. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got all my faculties. Yeah. Um, I've got an aunt who's 109 years old. Wow. My dad lived to 94. My mom lived to 88. I haven't caught either of them yet. Mm. You know, although I've lost siblings. Mm. Um, but so far, none of us have lived as, as for the length of time that our parents lived. Mm. Um, and, I, I, and I do feel like I'm going to live a long time. Mm. But I want it to be I want that time to 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 be a productive time for me. Mm. Um, I have to stop telling myself, "Well, you you haven't done it yet, so it ain't gonna happen." I I have to stop saying that, and mm. and, and I I think I have stopped saying it. Um, I still have dreams, <laughs> right? Yeah, and. Uh, and I want them to happen, but but at this age, honestly, mm-hmm. I, when I say seventy five, I'm like 
shit, that's old. But when I, <laughs> but because I don't feel over fifty, mm. you know, it's it's yeah. it's only the years that I look at and I think about how old I. Mm. Um. But I just I just think that I'm that I'm really fortunate. I know that I'm fortunate. Mm-hmm. I know that so many so many more people my age and even younger are, you know, the saying goes, if you've got your health, you've got everything. Mm-hmm. And that is true to a great extent. Because I know how miserable I am when I don't feel well. <laughs> yeah. And um, how you, I, I might even think, oh, just let me die. I mean, I thought that one time. Mm-hmm. But then when I got better, I said, oh, no, I'm so glad I didn't die. <laughs> <laughs> and and I was 22 years old and I had the real flu, not the stuff that people go around talking about they've got. It was horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, never been that sick again, ever. Uh-huh. So, and I wanted to die. Mm-hmm. But I didn't, so I was very happy. <laughs> yes. Me too. Um, I like to use the term elderly. Um, I, I'd rather say I'm old <laughs> <laughs> than to say I'm elderly because elderly just seems like, you know, there's something that comes along with that. Like you're lacking something, something yeah. quite right. You're kind of not all there in some way. And that's, just not the case yeah I've been very fortunate again yeah I have to say um and I'm and I'm not alone here and there I see people as old as I am and older and they are thriving yeah and 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 that's who I want to be I want to be you know when I get to be 88 like my mom I want to be thriving Mm. when I get to be 94 like my dad I want to be thriving Mm. And and even though my aunt, who's 109, she's not thriving, mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to be me. Yeah. I, I, I think I will thrive to my grave. Mm. And that's because that's what I want to happen. Yes. And because I know it will happen, and that's, that's a kind of positive thing mm-hmm. that I've always had going for me, is that I've always felt like I would always be in good health. And I would live a long, healthy life. Yes. So thank you for joining me for another episode of Moms Who Art. I want to thank my very special guest, Brenda Usher Carpino, for being so open and so vulnerable and for sharing the fullness and the richness of her life experiences with us. I'm very honored to know you, Brenda, and even more honored to call you a friend. So I hope everyone out there enjoys the rest of their day. And until next time, peace and love to y'all.